CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag Data Breach. Today's topic is establishing stronger standards for data breach security. And our guests for today's show are Adam Levin, who's the chairman and founder of IDT911 and chairman co-founder of Credit.com. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. And we also have Phil Akaoli, who is the CISO, which is Chief Information Security Officer of Elawan. How are you, Phil? How are you doing this morning? I'm pretty good. Also, thank you for the invite for this morning. Definitely. Now, uh, folks, we've been hearing about data breaches in the news a lot lately, with more data of more sensitivity to customers being stolen. And uh, there are any number of ways that future attacks can harm business and operations. So the common line has become that it's not a matter of if we will be attacked, but when. But that doesn't mean that there is little uh, CISOs like uh, Phil in your, from your camp standpoint or policymakers and uh, folks who are essentially figuring out what the standards can be, they could be doing. Now, today we wanted to look at how we can improve standards that would better protect companies and consumers from these type of data breaches threats and also help them better respond. So, Adam, I'd like to start with you and looking at the landscape right now. We are seeing that data breaches are happening all over the place, and, and we are hearing more and more about it. So we are, of course, as a company, nobody wants to mess up, and so they are trying to say we are following best practices and, and, and anything and everything we can do, but still things are breaking down. What is it that is happening which is causing this, in your view? Well, I think that a variety of things are happening. First, there, you know, there are many uh, serious uh, players in the field who have done everything that they think they can do in order to fend off the hackers and the data breaches. And unfortunately, it keeps happening and happening and happening because, at least from my perspective, and this is more from the outside looking in, that a company can do everything right. But unfortunately, one employee clicking on the wrong link at the wrong time, allowing someone to get into their system get their privileged access and then move you know, through the company in a pretty nefarious way. These things are going on. Now, there are also many other companies. If you read what Preet Bharara has said in, in New York, that he's given many speeches and people approach him even from the board level and say this is an issue that has not reached the board in our company. Although after the recent spate of breaches we've seen, I think every board member in every company is getting pretty uneasy. So... The first thing is we have to have more companies more serious about this. The second thing is we need companies that also develop policies for BYOD or bring your own device that I know one survey that Poneman ran said that while 88% of medically related facilities uh, allowed people to do BYOD, 53% were very worried about it but only 38 and 38% did nothing about it. 
because standards weren't even developed uh, as to what an employee needed to do on their device in order to be able to hook into a corporate system. Now, Phil, you may have obviously a different viewpoint because as a CSIO or CISO, you, 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 know, you see this on a daily basis. You communicate with your colleagues. Uh, but from the outside world, it still looks like an awful lot of companies really aren't doing everything they can to train employees to have the most serious uh, security protocols and to continually update those protocols. And so, you know, I, I actually agree with you in, in, this, uh, in, in the area where, uh, so uh, truth and disclosure here, I'm actually a fellow of the Panaman Institute. Um, oh. I, I'm actually the chairman for the Institute Fellows. Uh, so I totally correct in the sense that, uh, you know, cybercrime um, has just very much exploded. The pace and sophistication has exploded over the last few years. And uh, there's a lot of activity, um, especially in the last 18 months, that has been directed towards, you know, raising the visibility, trying to raise the bar um, of understanding on cyber, uh, cybersecurity. I mean, I'll, I'll actually point to uh, uh, the president's um, uh, State of the Union speech last year where he uh, – uh, talked about cybersecurity, and he came out with Executive Order 13636, and uh, it actually issued uh, Presidential Directive uh, Policy 21. And um, this basically in the last year has put thousands, tens of thousands of people across the security industry in motion and the policy industry um, in motion to take a look at the standards that exist and start bringing them together. Now, uh, Phil, I'd like to ask this question where we just suddenly woke up, or perhaps we are waking up and putting policies, et cetera. So is it only when uh, you know, somebody from outside you know, touches or rattles the business is when uh, security people are allowed to do what they are supposed to do, or is it something that they are underfunded and they now suddenly are given all the attention and the funding and the blessings that you could do? So would you say that security uh, community, the CISO community, or, or people who are handling this from outside and as, from, as well as inside the enterprise are now being unable to do what they always wanted to do? Is that what's happening now? No, I think I, not necessarily. I think you know, security leaders and security teams have been doing their best to defend uh, their their part of the internet. But I mean, again, if you look at it, the, the, with the pace and sophistication of these attacks over the last few years, and kind of the motivations turning towards destruction of commerce, right? And groups like Lloyd's of London coming out and ranking cybersecurity as one of the top three risks. I mean, truly, only preceded by high taxation and loss of customers. The, the focus is there, right? I mean, I, I won't blanket the changes going on in cybersecurity as any isolated situation. It's a series of situations, depending on industry or sector uh, that's affecting them, that's causing different companies to to recognize the importance of information and cybersecurity. So, um, Adam, when you look at, and, and you, your previous response mentioned BYOD, and that's where the world wants to go, anytime, anywhere, on any device type of access. Now, that, of course, is going to create some issues, but are we, uh, are we doing justice by attributing the, the breaches to that uh, innovation or that um, you know, improvement in the way people could access information? Because that's what was their dream from the get-go. No, I, and, and I think that anything that we do that's an innovation that brings, that brings the technology to bear in order to make things more convenient or more efficient or more effective, that's great. The only problem 
that I've seen, and I, and I think Phil's seen it, at, you know, in the Pontyman study, was that a lot of institutions um, acknowledge the existence of it. They don't fight it. In fact, they welcome it, or at least they're resigned to it. But they haven't been tough enough in terms of setting standards to say, we need to know, and we're going to check to make absolutely sure that the security that we believe you have to have in order to better protect our system against threats that you may be bringing in, that we've got to see that. And unless and until you do it, uh, we're not going to let your device on the system, or they say, we'll pay for it as a company. Because think about what it costs the company when something goes wrong, not only in terms of loss of trust and uh, the expense in terms of dealing with with the consumer issues attached to it, but also the cost of dealing with the regulators in a situation like that. So there, there has to be, I believe, much tougher standards and much more uh, aggressive uh, security approaches to these kinds of devices. Because we're, we're living in an age now, I think we all agree, where a breach has become the third certainty, perhaps now even a dead certainty in life. And we have to acknowledge it. We have to better prepare for it. You know, I'm later in the in the show. I'm sure we're going to talk about the whole concept of of how one creates preparedness plans and how one uh, uh, exercises in order to be ready for the an event which is now almost a certainty. So let me add to, uh, let me add to that. Yeah. You know, I think in the um, in the area of standards, you know, if we there's a lot of nuance there, right? And so there, there's several dozen industry wide. Uh, information security standards. I mean, the oldest one uh, is is from the Internal Sta- uh, Organization of Standards called ISO 27001. Um, that actually celebrated its 20th year of um, uh, existence um, last year. Um, you know, and if you take a look at what's happened because of the executive order and PPD 21 that came out, the National Institute of Standards and Technology in the U.S. Right, they came together over the last year to develop the U.S. cybersecurity framework. Um, it was outputted this February, and it's titled The Framework for Improving Critical Infrastructure Cybersecurity. I mean, the reality is, if you, look at, if you read through the documentation, it actually calls out specifically five high-level information security standards, ISO IEC 27001, NIST SP 853, COBIT-5, uh, the critical security controls, and ISA 62443 that uh, is focused around industrial control systems. So it's not that there's not standards that are out there, um, but but I, but I, what I agree is that it's the focusing and concentrating on, you know, following basic principles that raise the level of cyber hygiene across the board. No, and I, so, I think the other problem is that you can have every standard in the world, but if you have organizations that aren't following them, either because they don't care or they can't afford it, or they they just feel they have more important things to do with their time. And you know there are many out there that do. That, again, it means nothing unless it's properly uh, policed. And the police doesn't mean that, that it has to be government action. I mean, there can also be industry that polices it. But again, we also know that it, we're not just talking business here. We're talking government has been an epic fail in protecting its own data at every level. 
Yeah, and so you know, so it so now now I'll shift a little bit, right? I mean, the interesting part of all of this activity from, um, the, I mean, the NIST team has done a terrific job. I'll, I'll point out Adam Sedgwick, out of the, the the National Institute of Standards Technology, but he's been heading up that effort, and uh, it's been tremendous how they've been trying to bring industry. So this is both government and business together to help find common ground. The the the, the reality is. You know, it's defending the Internet or elements of the Internet ecosystem, cyberspace, it's a very dynamic environment. I mean, there are different threats that happen at any given point, and the attackers that are out there, they're going after specific threats. I mean, take a look at the last year alone, right? Not to call out any folks, but the reality is uh, there's been a huge attack upon the retail um, industry and specifically around point-of-sale systems. Uh, none of the standards out there are purely focused around that space, but uh, here comes the attacks fast and furious. And I think there's a, there's a balance out there with standards. I, I like the fact that today there's a voluntary approach, um, and there's also an acknowledgement that there's a dynamic um, element that has to be taken into account that uh, I know all, most of the regulators are, are paying attention, but uh, you know, there, there's no movement um, there's just there's some uh, point in time focus, but they know it's too dynamic to truly regulate. So I'd like to say it's at this point it's looking a lot like it's market driven. As each attack happens, the various industries and sectors are trying to pull together um, and, and try to adapt. Um, but obviously, the uh, the attackers at this point still have the upper hand because of how fast things are moving. So, Phil, what about the response? So let's look at different incidents that have happened. Maybe take one as an example. And we don't want to name the companies where this happened. But what would you think if you were behind the scenes looking at this and at this breach happens? What What is happening there? What's the learning that is happening there? What's the response? And, and, and how does the company, uh, how would you expect a company to shake up and start looking at this? Because now I would not say the damage is done because this could happen to anyone. But perhaps the the... The, the lessons that you can learn or the way you can see how resilient you are is that how quickly you respond and how can you mitigate or how can you minimize the actual damage that could have otherwise happened. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Throughout, throughout the development of the U.S. cybersecurity framework last year, I mean, I, in, in the background, I was, I was trying to rally uh, several groups to really take a look at, you know, root cause analysis or post-incident um, post response to analyze uh, breaches. I mean, if, again, if you if you look out in the industry, you don't have to look too far, but there are multiple groups out there. Um, the Verizon has the uh, annual data breach investigations report, which is eight years old. Uh, there are several websites out there, datalossdb.org, uh, privacyrightsclearinghouse.org. Uh, as mentioned earlier, the Panaman Institute. Uh, the real, here's the reality. There, there's a lot to learn in studying the attacks um, uh, and their underlying root causes, but the reality is, you know, the, the results are still varying. The data is still not fully there to analyze exactly how companies are being breached. I mean, specifically to the last year, uh, I mentioned earlier, I mean, the, re the retail industry is under attack. Um, you know, the point-of-sale systems seem to be the area of compromise. There seems to be a specific type of point-of-sale malware that seems to keep popping up. Right, and so you know, for the other CISOs that are out there as an industry, you know, you have to pay attention to that, and then try to adapt and uh, make sure that you don't fall under under prey. The reality is, I think even in the last year, you know, um, the, the latest breach that's in the news, um, you know, it, there's a variant that's out there that wasn't found. It was a custom variant of point of sale malware. So, again, on that one, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of background activity in the industry going on and still kind of a customized attack happened and uh, they were hit across all of their retail locations.
Let's take a, qu a quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll be right back. And let's look at the kind of uh, standards that we may have had in place and how are those standards actually working out. It's interesting that as we get more sophisticated with technology, the more breaches we see. So is somebody else is running faster than us and or whatever regulations that we are putting here, what is lacking and what needs to be changed? Let's explore this. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Adam, if you were to look at different regulations and standards and policies that we have in place right now, would you be able to point out any specific sets which are either dated or they are not truly relevant in today's, uh, you know, the, the changing environment, or, or simply they are not effective in the way they, have been, they are being implemented? Well, I think that, the, you know, if I were to point to anything, I would say that uh, we're, we're now starting to develop uh, more sophisticated data security standards, at least now that the, the states are actually passing more sophisticated laws, and I know there's an issue, and I think Phil would be the first to point it out, that the problem is when you set any specific set of standards, because this, this area is changing so rapidly, whatever standard you fight hard to actually get adopted could well be uh, moot, practically, by the time it goes into effect, because things are evolving at such a pace. I know that the federal breach notification standard still doesn't exist, and whereas there were a number of people in Congress who were supportive of it a few years ago, the support is weaned because a number of people are afraid that a federal breach notification standard could actually preempt or nullify much stronger state breach notification laws. Now, the problem with the tough state breach notification laws is it's uneven. There are three or four jurisdictions that have none, 
and there are some that are very tough, some that aren't tough, and even amongst the ones that are tough, who you notify, how you notify them, what you do, it can vary from state to state. So for businesses, this is a very difficult road to hoe. So the question is, how can we create uh, standards that are more uniform, that are more easy to understand for organizations, and that encourage organizations to report breaches so that we get as much threat assessment data as we possibly can. And at the same point, inform consumers as quickly as possible so that they can go about doing the things they need to do in order to protect themselves. Phil, so if you look at it to some extent, if I gather you correctly, Adam, you talk about collective intelligence and data, like intelligence sharing so that the rest of the world can benefit from it and, and better response time and better notification to the consumers. So, uh, Phil, when you look at this and the way you see the world moving from inside the organization, your organization or anybody else, like as you talk to a lot of CISOs from different uh, companies, where do they stand with respect to a mental benchmark or, or a benchmark that you all may have created to say, this is how I would handle to fortify my organization. This is how I'm going to, as a team, make sure that we respond. And then this is how we are going to set standards to notify whosoever could be the one at risk. Yeah, so let me unpack the, the question here because there's multiple areas that you hit on. First is kind of the standards area, right? I mean, I'll continue to point to what the NIST team is doing with the cybersecurity framework. I think that's um, a great um, set of principles that rely on venerated standards that are out there. It actually comes with a methodology to perform risk assessment, um, to take a look at a way to assess um, where an organization is at using um, their tier model, um, and then a way to set goals and directives to do better using their profiles model. Um, the second part of your question, I think, is really around, um, you know, uh, reporting and also, uh, you know, in, in information sharing. And I think that's a very complicated area. If you look at the last two years, I'm not speculating, but I'm kind of offering uh, areas of, of focus for people that are listening to the show, but there's been several uh, congressional and Senate level uh, House um, uh, bills that have been put in place all around information sharing, intelligence sharing. Uh, I won't uh, posit uh, where they're at, but all of those are around kind of the area of how does the government share uh, threat information with business and vice versa and provide the uh, kind of the legal cover for that type of information sharing to avoid mon monopolistic practices. Um, I'll point out one area where I think it's very interesting uh, to take a look at, but uh, the SEC over the last couple of years has uh, given direction um, uh, to breach and incident reporting through 8K and 10K filing. And uh, I, I think, you know, there's a broad area there. And I know you're, you're asking inside. The reality is, you know, most companies, you know, um, I came from the. Uh, I, I recently came from the communication sector, um, one of the third largest uh, telecoms in the country, and I'm currently at a financial services uh, uh, company. And within the financial services sector and the communication sector, they have tremendous information sharing and analysis centers. They're called ISACs. Uh, you know, those are tremendous organizations, both on the comm side and also on the financial services side, where kind of the member organizations really 
uh, help each other, try to understand what the current threats are, and then uh, it gives the operational teams, the operators, uh, the opportunity to go back and take a look at what's going on and then go back and share if there are similar attacks going on in their environment. And so there, there are great uh, um, for, for, probably for the consumer to know, there's great activity going on in the background within each of the sectors to try to address the, the broader cybersecurity information sharing issue. So effort is underway. How do you respond to something like that, Adam, when the people are, are not able to sleep at night because they don't know what's coming next? Well, I think that, you know, if if we start with certain premises, just, just as there's best practices uh, for information uh professionals and for organizations. Uh, there are best practices for consumers, and that consumers are now, like it or not, deputized in the process of protecting themselves. And, you know, from a consumer standpoint, people have learned it the hard way. But also, what's very important is that when a breach is uh, announced, that we have some kind of standard whereby, almost like how you rate hurricanes, where you're able to understand the ramifications of a breach at the consumer level. For instance, even though it sounds daunting that 40 million uh, credit and debit cards were compromised in the Target breach, and that possibly 56 million were compromised in the Home Depot breach, that is not as serious a security situation as when, let's say, hundreds of thousands of Social Security numbers and other very sensitive forms of PII have been exposed in breaches. And we've certainly had a lot of those, including a, a health care one not too long ago where 4.5 million files were improperly accessed. So it's, it's incumbent upon all of us to better educate consumers to understand that, for instance, a credit card, you make a phone call, you change a number, and almost every case there's zero liability. However, not so easy when Social Security information is taken. Or, for instance, I think that the J.P. Morgan breach is more serious than people want to give it credit for, not because they, they, they got Social Security numbers, which they didn't, or that they got account numbers, which they didn't, but they did get enough information by name, address, email address, and phone number where you could be under constant barrage of phishing, vishing, and smishing, all designed to get information from you, enough information from you, to victimize you. So I think a better effort has to be made to, 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 to help consumers differentiate between different kinds of breaches. And also, at the, at the corporate level, efforts have to be made to institute <clears throat> far better training you know, I've always felt that the, the real issue a company faces, yes, the first level is they've been breached, and that's a, re that's a huge problem. The second level is how do they respond to that breach? Did they have a plan? Was it in place? Did they drill for that plan like you drill for missile launches on a nuclear submarine? Because that's essentially you have to carry out a response to a breach as if it were muscle memory, and then... How do you, are you empathetic when it comes to consumers? Because I think the three things consumers look for, subconsciously perhaps, but they look for them, is urgency, transparency, and empathy. And these things go together. Better understanding by the public of threat levels and better understanding of businesses as to how to effectively prepare for this, handle it, communicate it to the consumers.
So yeah, one that's, is that's a, yeah. that's a great segue. Um, I'm not sure if you all are aware, but October is actually uh, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Yeah. Um, the National Cybersecurity uh, Alliance actually is running it. Their website staysafeonline.org. But you know, I think I think their message is really powerful. Their main mantra or, or uh, slogan is "Stop, Think, Connect." And I think from a consumer perspective, and also from an employee perspective. You know, th- those three words with periods at the end of each are very powerful, right? Before you do something, stop, think, and connect. And I think if you if you move from the digital world um, to the physical world, it, that applies in many places as well. And, you know, it, you know, it, it kind of in the history of, of security, you know, there's always been good guys and bad guys. And, uh, you know, I think just we're all now being exposed that there's in the digital world, like the physical world, there is a lot of concerns and we need to be aware and I think you're you're totally right. I mean, I, I like to tell both the employees, um, uh, my fellow employees, and then also uh, uh, family and friends. You know, I my personal statement to people is security is everyone's job. I think more that people are aware of what security elements um, they need to be pay attention to, like having a safe, good password, right? Not reusing it on multiple sites, um, things like that, right? Change it often. Use a use a good password or use multi-factor authentication. I think the more that we educate our consumers on g- uh, good safety, cyber safety practices, uh, the better we'll, we'll, we'll be and uh, we'll raise the bar from a security perspective. No, I, I, I agree, and if I just might add, that I think that all of what we've seen and what we're experiencing now really requires people to think radically different about this than ever before. Because for years we were told, it can prevent it, you can prevent it, you can prevent it, businesses can prevent it, everybody can. It's just we have to be more aware. The reality is now is I think it's a three-stage process. You have to do everything you can to minimize your risk of exposure. And this goes for businesses and consumers. But the second leg is critically important, which is you have to monitor. Now, you know, businesses have a variety of ways they monitor. Consumers have a variety of ways they monitor from going to annualcreditreport.com and getting a free copy of their report or coming to sites like credit.com where you see an overview of your credit as well as two free scores updated, and if anything changes radically, it's a problem. Checking accounts, signing up for what they call transactional monitoring programs where financial institutions notify you of activity in your account. And you know what? If it was you, it's at least good to know they're watching and then more sophisticated forms of monitoring. But then there becomes the third leg, and I think this is now indispensable, and that's the concept of a damage control program. Now, we know that businesses either have it or are in the process of getting it one way or another, but consumers need to do the same thing. And a lot of people think that it's, it's insanely expensive, and what they don't realize is there are many, many institutions out there that as a perk of your relationship with the institution offer you a damage control program, and in some cases, it's free. Many insurance companies give it as a perk of your relationship through home or auto owner policies. Smaller credit unions, smaller banks, <clears throat> and also now in employee benefits plans. Uh, many HR departments offer it for people where they work. So it's just incumbent upon consumers. Yes, you do what you can to minimize the risk. Monitor, because the faster you know there's a problem, just like with a business, the faster it can detect a problem, the faster they can go to work on it, and then have a damage control program in place. And I think we will all be better protected by that philosophy. So we'll take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, let's look at 
one area which I think both of you uh, have supported is to that there should be more education for the masses. At the same time, we have to look at that there is a controlled environment, which is business, and then there are individuals who we are trying to educate. So if we want to really nail a problem or, or handle it effectively, we got to reduce the number of variables and we do not kind of go like weathermen saying, oh, I tried, but the weather changed. Like I'm from Chicago, so that's what happens there. Most weathermen get fired there. So <laughs> if, if we have to really get a good handle on something like this, then the areas where we have more control, which is again, getting back to the enterprise, what are they doing to make sure that at least they've covered their bases? And then of course we can keep doing the evangelism and, and keep doing the training for the users. So that, uh, that will be incrementally making a difference in the way you would, uh, the, the baseline that you would set by uh, securing the fort in at enterprise level, teaching the individuals would incrementally help, but that would not become the basis of how you would get over this data breach issue. Let's explore this a little bit more and what are your respective takes on it. So listeners, please stay tuned. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So back to the Weatherman analogy, uh, Phil how do you respond to something like this? Are we not supposed to just focus on what we can control? That is an enterprise environment and then hope and pray and of course make some effort to you know, educate the masses and then handle this? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, um, you know, I think you know, there, there, there's a great concerted effort out of, out of the industry um, through, through NIST efforts about developing basic cyber hygiene practices. And then I think quickly, you know, if we, if we shift towards kind of the philosophy where kind of the global health organizations of the world are today um, with, with cybersecurity, there's a, there's a lot of similar trends. You know, uh, there, in the, within the security industry, a lot of people like to say, hey, you know, uh, cybersecurity, is, it's, it's like a public health um, situation. It's about the data. 
you know, when you start looking at advanced attacks, um, you know, again, I mentioned earlier there was multiple groups, Verizon, datalossdb.org, privacyrightsclearinghouse.org, even the Panama Institute. You know, there are multiple groups that are out there collecting data and analyzing that, those, those uh, statistics reports. Same thing with what's going on with the, uh, the Ebola outbreak out there, right? I mean, the, the data shows where the, the incidents are manifesting themselves. Um, and if you look at kind of global health, right, kind of the, one of the number, like I was watching uh, my son's uh, 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 Sesame Street a few years ago, and I just remember Elmo talking about how do you stay healthy? You know, you wash your hands, you know, and you sneeze into your elbow. And I think, you know, there are basic cyber hygiene practices very similar from a health situation to a cyber situation that we can apply. And, you know, there are multiple groups. And I actually, you know, call out uh, the Department of Homeland Security. Um, underneath them is the NKIC and U.S. CERT. Uh, that's the Cyber Emergency Response Team. You know, those organizations were built to help identify outbreaks and to help steer multiple organizations from the consumer level to the business gov and governmental level to action. And I think, you know, the more data that we have and the more leadership that we have to kind of point people towards, you know, what, what is this common cyber hygiene, we're, again, we're going to be better off both at the consumer level and at the business level and government. Adam, don't you think that people and institutions behave better when there is a risk of penalty or a loss versus just the motivation of a fuzzy feeling that they will be secure? Well, no, unfortunately, that's true. And, and one of the ways that I've tried to sort of incorporate that, I've put together an idea with a, a number of uh, privacy professionals, and that's the concept of a data breach disclosure box. And it's much the same as the Schumer box in financial services or the nutrition label in the food area. But this is where institutions would have to indicate if over the past five years they've experienced a breach and how many. What kind of information was breached? What they did about it? What their notification policy is in general? Do they encrypt? And then um, provide information to consumers as to how to better uh, protect themselves as well. And it's, it's you know, we, we raise the issue to start the conversation because a lot of people are going to go, well, does this mean every company or only those companies that have been breached? And if you require only companies that have been breached to do it, is that not putting a target on the back of every other company that hasn't yet been breached? Or are they giving away a blueprint to, to hackers by indicating um, what they have or what they do about it? And I'm not suggesting that someone give a hacker a North Star, but I am suggesting that, that possibly these can be very helpful because, first of all, there are so many breaches, consumers can't even keep track of them. And secondly, consumers have got to understand the difference between the really serious ones and the ones that are, are very publicized yet not quite as serious and what you can do about it, what the redress was that was afforded, how the, the company has performed. Now, this might inspire companies that have sloppy data practices to step up their game. And, and also, it doesn't have to be a scarlet letter for a company that's experienced a breach, since we know that these breaches are inevitable. It can actually be a platform from which a company can basically uh, present its case to consumers about, we had a problem, but here's what we did. We were empathetic. We, we treated it urgently. We responded quickly. Uh, we were transparent about it. 
and that you know anything we can do to increase the flow of information make people better educated about what the problem is get companies to understand that the the ramifications of this should go well beyond even what they think they are because as you said sometimes the stick can be more effective than just the carrot but it also gives them an opportunity just like when products are developed privacy by design where things are developed with security and privacy in mind and then the fact of that security and privacy is used as a marketing platform for the company. I mean, I think there are beneficial uh, results from this, but at least it's worth talking about it before people immediately dismiss it. So, uh, Phil, this, this is very interesting, Adam, that you bring this up. Now, Phil, people typically have short-term memory, and this disclosure box that Adam is talking about has the risk of reminding them that this company once had a data breach, say, five years ago, and so much for the goodwill that they always try to preserve. Now, you come from an organization which is in a financial services, and they're heavily regulated even today. So in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense, they are already being mandated to do certain things with respect to security. But if you put a label, like a food label of sorts, out there for every person who's going to touch your organization to say, this organization had a breach five years ago, but now we are doing everything it takes, how is that going to fly? So we really have examples of this. I mean, the, you know, if you look, take a look in the healthcare side, the Department of Health and uh, Human Services, HHS, they've been posting breaches on their website for, I think, three years, three or four years now. So how is that going, right? And so I think there are examples out there um, from a, you know, you, you put it in the public eye. Um, the SEC I mentioned earlier, right, uh, inside of their, uh, they, they have cyber breach directives as well. Um, how is that going? Um, I, again, I won't speculate how it's going. I'm asking the question back. Um, I think there are, you know, policy experts that are that are out there that are better to weigh in on that than myself. But uh, there are multiple instances in, in varying uh, sectors and subsectors that are driving that behavior already. And I'm not so certain. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what other experts would say the effectiveness of that activity is. Well, here, may I just add here that, see, the difference is if it's on the HHS wall of shame, how many consumers really even know there is an HHS wall of shame? And if the SEC is mandating something in an AK filing, obviously what happened with J.P. Morgan, it got out because of that following, that the breach was much bigger than anticipated. But that's one big publicity blast, and then it goes away. The concept of this breach disclosure box is this doesn't go away. This is something that is ever-present, that consumers, they should know. You know, we always say, and I'm sure you've told uh, people in, in, in your position, that before you, pro, you hand over your personal identifying information to anyone, find out from them as best you can how they're going to protect it. And this, is, this box is an indication of, of how it was protected and also a platform for a company to say, how it will be protected in the future without giving away too much information to hackers. So, so Adam, a question for you here. If, if you were ever caught, or maybe I was ever caught taking cookie out of a cookie jar when nobody was looking, or I thought nobody was looking, and that is put on my resume or everywhere my name goes, how long do you want to carry that with you, even though you've learned the lesson and moved on? Well, look at this. On your credit report, negative activity is carried for seven years, 
And as I understand it, that has something to do actually with the Bible, something going back to the Old Testament. So we're not even saying seven years. We're saying in the past five years, have you had an incident, and what did you do about it? And and in, in a way to make consumers feel like, uh, you know, th- that there was a problem, that it's been dealt with. You know, and it's also sort of saying to a company, you really, really have to stop a- step up after something like this because it happened. However it happened, whether it was employee error, it was an inside job, it was a hack from the outside because something wasn't as secure as it should have been. I mean, these are the people need to know. And when you were talking about, you know, carrot versus stick, this is a stick. I don't think it's a bludgeon, but it's certainly a stick. And it, it at least brings us a step closer to providing more information and, uh, and allowing consumers to make intelligent judgments. And also, it's, it's almost like sort of a mandated uh, sharing of risk assessment. It's funny. I, I like the model today of um, uh, what, what the, what the uh, Department of Health uh, does in, in most cities and states today, right? I mean, you know, we've all heard about, you know, places where you can eat and you, where you should eat and not eat, what's their cleanliness um, record. Um, you know, it's interesting. It, it, maybe 10 years ago it surprised me when I was watching the news here in Atlanta and, and I, was, I, I was seeing the local uh, investigative report talking about specific restaurants that had failed, uh, you know, these inspections, right? And I, I think the reality is, right, they post them um, up on their websites or they're available to the public. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm very much a fan of letting the market drive um, business behavior. And if, if your customers are, want to be informed, if there are platforms or capabilities to go look up, uh, you know, you know what, what your health record is, I think, you know, if, if the consumer wants to be informed, there's an avenue for that, but it's not crammed down their face. And, and to me, I, I like that because it's not, it's not regulatory. Um, there's, a, there's a portion, right, if they fail their inspection, then there's, you know, there, there's, you know, there, there's some fines to be paid. But at the same point, uh, kind of the model is an, is an interesting model because, again, it, it allows the market to drive the behavior, whether they decide to, uh, to shop or shop at that uh, restaurant again or, or ask for, for better uh, behavior. Right. So whether it is people or institutions, they don't do usually what we expect them to do. They usually do the way you want them to do when you inspect. So expect versus inspect. So with that thought, let's take a quick break when we come back. And, and Adam, I'd like to come back to you and say, what is explicitly being set as expectations from individuals and institutions for this data breach issue to start getting reduced from the level that we are at today. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. 
Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So expecting someone to do something usually doesn't get happen, at least as a probability. When you inspect that they are supposed to do this, did they do it or not, then things start happening. And that's been seen, you know, by all of us. So, Adam, what do you think, keeping, that, keeping in mind that we have to inspect a few things, very particular things, whether it's an individual's behavior or actions or institutional behavior or actions? or perhaps government and policymaker behavior or actions, which will bring some, some closure to this rather open-ended problem? Well, first of all, if you talk about government, unfortunately the expectation of the public is that nothing is going to get done. Because Washington can't seem to agree on the weather, much less anything else. And so it's, it's had to have been done at the executive level, and it's having some impact. But it's, it's not an optimal situation. With businesses, I think businesses have come to understand the fact that this is no longer something that you can hide from. They are coming after you, unfortunately. They're very sophisticated. Uh, you know, there are some that will do it because, for the fun of it, some that will do it for the bragging rights, some that will do it because they're state-sponsored, but an enormous number of the people who will hack into systems and breach systems are people who are in it for the money. As Willie Sutton said, I rob banks, because that's where the money is. And consumers want to believe that their data is being protected. And unfortunately, they're being deluged by news stories indicating that their data is not being protected. And yet, more and more data is being requested. More and more consumers are complying with those requests. Um, people are flinging information out in the cybersphere. And there are many people that are willing to swap data for convenience. And they don't understand that as convenience increases, uh, you have to dial up your privacy and security. And a lot of people really aren't willing to do that yet. So you have these, these realities, which is breaches are going to happen most likely at some point in its existence, every company will suffer some form of breach, and every consumer will suffer some form of identity theft. And therefore, we have to focus on the three things which I talked about, focusing on minimizing risk, monitoring, and having a damage control program in place. Because, you know, I, I hate to be the voice of doom, but I think that's a reality until we get much more 
biometric help, two-way authentication help, and, uh, and other technological advances. And unfortunately, every time we have a security advance, the bad guys figure a workaround. So definitely Adam's response is an appeal and a very strong appeal. Thank you so much, Adam, for sharing that, because I guess that's where, where the mind should be going. Now, coming to you, Phil, and as an enterprise, we need to inspect, as we said, versus just expect. So what is being inspected internally, voluntarily, as well as from people outside in, which is going to help us get in the right direction? Not sure I'm following the question. I'm sorry. Okay, so so we are internally handling certain things and, and, and inspecting that this is working or not, et cetera. Plus, you've got external regulations. So are we, in your view, going in the right direction to make sure that all of our, all of our uh, activities that we were doing internally and all the external uh, standards and regulations that are being applied or imposed on us, they are actually relevant to removing, reducing and mitigating the data breach risks, because that's in question today, like the, the, the topic we are discussing today. So you can look at everything that's happening today, and if you had to filter through a data breach lens, are we up to the mark or there's something left? So, so you've, you know, like a year ago, I, I, you know, I believe that progressive companies were paying attention to these, these forces that were raising the bar on cybersecurity. I think this year, you know, um, most companies that, even conservative companies that uh, want to do the right thing, they, they, it, you know, the activity that's going on in cybersecurity, you can't ignore it. And so I, th I think, um, you know, compared to even 18 months ago, we're in a much better place. I mean, I read a report yesterday from the current, uh, from the new FBI uh, director, you know, that, that there's a, an increased level of activity for cybersecurity. We've gotten better, but there's still a long road to go. So I I think we're moving in the right direction. You know, I think it can be guessed whether how fast we're moving is it fast enough or not. You know, and there's there's a lot of open questions out there. I don't want to be uh, uh, we're I'll let Adam be the uh, the negative one. Um, you know, but you know, the, you know, there's a lot of changing forces and dynamics out there, right? With all the convenience and all the new capabilities of technology, right? It exposes us to you know sharing information that probably historically we've not shared. And so that now, you know, increases our risk profile because now we've shared that and it's digitized and it's forever out there. And so, you know, I think, um, I think businesses are, most businesses today that I've uh, spoken with, I think, you know, the indus as the industry, uh, a lot of folks have woken up. They're, you know, they're looking at kind of this framework of standards and trying to recognize where they at compared to where those standards are saying they should be. Um, there's a lot of movement both at the board, at the senior leadership team perspective, um, and within the information security and data privacy um, organizations, collaboration that's going on. And so I, I think we are in a much better place than we were even, even than just a year ago. What would you call where you will shift yourself and your community and the business community to be just hopeful from moving from just being hopeful to being in control? Well, I mean, I, th I think, you know, I think once the security technology catches up with the technology advancements, I mean, we've, I mean, if you take a look at mobile phones alone, I mean, it's exponentially accelerated, you know, computing adoption. And, um, you know, I mean, it's it, the, the, the cellular, you know, if most people don't know on, on the call, but, you know, the, the cellular industry, the mobile, the smartphone industry 
has single-handedly uh, exponentially driven the, the you know, the uh, unmanned, uh, you know, autonomous system, the drone space, because most, most drones are actually our smartphones, um, are the computers. And so I, I think how we shifted is um, a couple things. Um, I think the trend on awareness is good. I think if there's this heavy emphasis on technology alone is going to be the savior for cybersecurity, I think people are wrong. I think it's a people process for people process people issue, and then a process issue next. So if we educate our users and our employees and our executives and our businesses to invest appropriately in security, if we enable the right processes that, you know, um, overcome the hurdles that we have in the technology, um, and then we address the technology issues, we're going to be much better off. Adam, 15 seconds. Give me your top thought with respect to where industry regulation and the consumers go or the way they should think in order for us to not having such serious conversations, say, a couple of years from now? Well, first of all, there's got to be greater personal accountability. I mean, we are the managers of our identity portfolio. Secondly, there will be tougher regulation. There has to be. Thirdly, there will be greater collaboration between business and government. And fourthly, one of the scariest things out there that is not talked about as much as it should is how businesses can be exposed, not even by what's going on inside, but by what's going on with their vendors, and because of their vendors' access, could actually jeopardize the business. There's going to be, hopefully, a great deal more focus on that, certainly under the new federal health-related laws. Uh, you are your vendor, and I think we're also moving in that area in general business as well. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, uh, Adam and Phil, for sharing your thoughts on how we can, as organizations and as consumers, work towards stronger standards for data breach protection. Thanks and uh, listeners, thank you so much again. And please like us on Facebook, listeners, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.